All right. Welcome in, everybody, to the Laces Out podcast. This is Kirk Simpson and Kenny Simpson coming to you to talk all things Miami Dolphins. Uh, this is our first episode, just getting started, so we'll kick things off with a quick introduction, and then we'll kind of dive into what we're planning to cover today. Uh, my name is Kirk Simpson. I've been a lifelong Dolphins fan. Uh, unfortunately for me, I started rooting for the Dolphins right at the end of Dan Marino's career, so it's been a pretty rough ride so far. But it looks like brighter days are on the horizon. We're excited about that. Uh, a little bit about me. I am an Auburn alumni and a big SEC football fan. Um, I try to watch all the Dolphins games every season, but uh, I am just a regular fan, so I'm definitely not a super fan. I'm not uh, really, really technical into the X's and O's and going to know every single thing about the uh, roster, but I'm excited to talk Dolphins with you here today. And with me is my brother, Coach Kenny Simpson. Kirk, I appreciate it. And, uh, and, and Kirk is the younger, better-looking brother of us, for those of you who are maybe listening to this instead of watching this. I'm 12 years older than Kirk, so I did get to enjoy some years where the Dolphins actually didn't suck. So that's a little bit different. Kirk's had to just go through the rough patches where I can remember the Dan Marino times where, you know, we thought he was going to go back to the Super Bowl. And then, of course, he had several really close calls but never made it happen. So uh, I've been around a little longer than Kirk. I'm, I've been a Dolphin fan for life. I think our dad cursed us with that from a young age. So uh, we both – and I've cursed my son. For the first year, though, I'm excited. My son wanted a Dolphin jersey. He's 13 years old. This is Which the one did he go with? He went with Tua, and uh, and I'm hoping that's the thing. You know, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about that a lot because if you're a Dolphin fan, you, you got to talk Tua. But, I've got a lot of old jerseys in my closet. <laughs> yeah, got a little Jarvis Landry jersey. And, oh, yeah. Anyway, I'm a, I'm a football coach by profession. I'm a high school football coach. So I'm hoping maybe I can bring something a little bit different, you know, uh, to the podcast and just maybe talk a little more from a coach's perspective. Uh, I don't claim to be an NFL coach. I don't claim to be some great expert, but uh, maybe the different eyes than your normal uh, people that are putting out a podcast. And as we move, you know, Kirk and I have discussed possibly doing some breakdowns uh, of different things. I think the first few we're going to talk mainly about, uh, you know, kind of as a GM. But as we move into this farther on, I'm excited to break down. I really uh, liked a lot of the things that, that uh, Flores has been doing. And so I'm kind of excited about that. Uh, don't really have anything real different than what Kirk said, except that I'm older and been around a little bit longer. <laughs> well, I guess with that we'll dive into kind of the uh, topic that we really wanted to cover today mostly is the uh, free agency for 2021. How things are kind of setting up coming out of 2020, obviously, uh, 10 and 6 year missed out on the playoffs, even with the expanded field. Um, got some tough breaks, but I think there's a lot to look forward to. Um, so I think if anybody's been following the free agency, the kind of theme that we've seen play out here is that the Dolphins are uh, emphasizing flexibility and quantity. And uh, me personally, I'm very optimistic about that. I think that if free agency has taught us anything, kind of being Dolphins fans, it's that uh, contrarian to most things in life that quantity actually kind of outweighs quality. Uh, with free agency, you see a lot of guys that don't pan out, and then you see some guys that play above their contract level. So I'm very excited about the approach. Um, that said, there are some very specific moves and things that are being set up um, as we move into the 2022 season. Obviously, a very young team with a lot of potential that we're hoping can make the leap that you saw similar teams like the Buffalo Bills make over the last few years. 
Um, so the first big move, Kennedy, that I think we want to dive into is the decision to cut Kyle Van Noy. Now, obviously, this freed up a lot of cap space. Uh, the Dolphins positioned themselves to be able to kind of get out of that contract after one year uh, and move on from him. They made the decision, despite him basically playing to what his career averages have been um, as, as uh, a key cornerstone of that defense, um, I think we're going to miss the leadership. Uh, I'm certainly not 100% a fan of this move, but I think it is good to emphasize flexibility and try to diversify that cap space. Um, as you saw the cap get cut due to uh, COVID in 2020 and try and get some more guys in there. What do you think of the move, Kenny? Well, I, I, Kyle Van Noy, I'm a big fan as a coach. I mean, he's a coach's dream. He looked like an extremely intelligent player. Not the most athletic for the NFL level. I mean, we're, we're, we're debating NFL. I mean, he's way more athletic than you and me. But as an NFL outside linebacker, he had big limitations. I thought he made up for those by being one of the smartest players on our roster. And, and you hit on, we're going to miss that. I honestly think this move was made because Andrew Van Ginkle just be, went on a tear. And I yep. think basically said, we got a cheaper, more athletic version of Kyle Van Noy. We can go ahead and make this move. So I think they're putting a lot of eggs in that young guy's basket. And I think he played really well. But, you know, that he, you're going to put a lot more on him now. So the move yep. pay off if Van Ginkle continues to improve and they find a guy on the backside. I'm not a huge fan of probably your next move. You're going to talk about the guy they signed to replace Van Noy. I don't think that's going to be the guy. But I am a big fan of Van Ginkle. Yeah, well, and I think that's kind of where we differ a little bit. I, I'm a big fan of uh, McKinney, the, the the trade we made with the Texans to bring in uh, Bernadrick McKinney. Uh, that said, who is going to be your kind of quarterback of the defense like Kyle Van Noy was? Um, up until a few days ago, the Dolphins were the only team in the NFL that had no uh, players on the roster that are over the age of 30. Um, and I guess that's great to have a young team, especially in the midst of a rebuild. A lot of people forget that we're still – in year two of this rebuild. Uh, however, how can you replace that kind of veteran leadership when you uh, look in the locker room and some of the issues the Dolphins have had on the defensive side of the ball? Um, so we'll get to that. We did trade for Bernardrick McKinney. Um, he needs to recover, obviously, from his injury and get back to the Pro Bowl form he was at with the Texans in his early careers. Uh, from what I've seen, he's a run stuffer, uh, which should help out in a big way. The Dolphins' run defense was a big liability down the stretch last year. Um, however, he is a huge liability in pass coverage. Uh, he reminds me a lot of Kiko Alonso in that way. Um, it's pretty much a cap neutral trade. We got rid of Shaq Lawson, who definitely showed some flashes, but he disappeared for a lot of stretches uh, throughout the 2020 season. And with the emergence of Emmanuel Agba, I think he was definitely a disposable part of the defense. What, uh, what do you have to say about Bernard McKinney? Well, I think you hit on a few things there. You know, Agba, I think, was our best free agent signee last year. And you talked about quantity over quality. I think that guy is the epitome of that. I, no one saw what he did. No one saw that coming out. So I'm not as big a McKinney fan. I look at him as a, as a poor version of Raekwon McMillan. Uh, who I liked McMillan a lot, but he got roasted in pass coverage. And I think in today's NFL, unless you're really, really good at rushing the passer, um, if you're out there on passing downs, teams are going to find you. And I'm, I'm so concerned about that. I'm with you. There's a low-risk move. If he's horrible, we're going to play a younger guy in position. I don't think he's going to be as good as the guy we got rid of. We just talked about, you know, getting rid of uh, Van Noy. 
and replacing him with this guy, I think that was a downgrade. But I think expense-wise, it was an upgrade. So we'll kind of see. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's another theme that's going to play out is kind of the Patriots and the Dolphins going back and forth between free agency. Obviously, the Patriots were big players in free agency, so we'll see how that all shakes out. Um, you can never count out what they've got going on in New England with Bill Belichick there. Uh, but it'll be very interesting to see them as they, you know, emerge. They went really, really big on a lot of free agency. You saw Devon Godshaw, obviously the uh, homegrown Miami talents uh, that we drafted in the fifth round at uh, LSU, um, go to New England and get a huge contract with a lot of guaranteed money. Um, but the next move actually after that is the Isaiah Wilson trade, uh, a very unfortunate situation. Gave up the seventh round pick to get a guy that was drafted in the first round just a year before. I think Miami thought that maybe this was a rehab project. Uh, we could get this guy back on the straight and narrow. Um, obviously didn't play out. He made some questionable social media posts. Um, and just a guy that it doesn't seem like it's really going to pan out for him. I really hope that he can get back in the NFL because he's a very talented football player. Um, and I'd really like to see us shore up that offensive line. That's one of the areas where I think I differ from a lot of Dolphins fans. I think the offensive line should be priority number one still. Uh, when you've got a guy like Tua who needs a clean pocket to find guys open down the field. Um, but yeah, if you want to talk a little bit about Isaiah Wilson and, and that whole situation, um, really hope that he is willing to accept uh, some help down the road and hopefully get back on the football field. Yeah, that's a tough – as a coach, you know, you hate – because this is still a young man. This guy's, you know, 22, 23 years old. Yeah. Doesn't even understand what he's doing. So I don't want to just bash some guy, but uh, a guy who clearly has thrown away a very bright future. You know, and that's disappointing to see. I like the move by Miami. We are just talking about the Dolphins. I love the move. Give a seventh-round pick for a guy who, man, if he had managed to pan out at all, when I mean, you're talking about a guy who could have been a right tackle or – we need nothing else quality depth definitely which we badly need on the offensive line yeah I agree now and, and we're, I'm sure we're going to talk probably later on about depth chart things and that's where you and I do disagree quite a bit on the offensive line I do think Miami going young three rookies they're gonna get better if they don't then we're doing a horrible job coaching them but I still like the idea of bringing in another guy I'm a huge fan of quantity on the offensive line bring in a hundred of them and hope you find five guys that can play yeah, well, and you've seen how the injuries have played out, obviously. I mean, uh, you're going to have guys get injured along the offensive line. That's just a certainty in the NFL today. Um, so definitely, like you talked about, depth is going to be a big thing. Uh, we have a lot of young guys. I really hope they develop. Maybe I'm jaded from the Joe Philbin era and, uh, and what played out after that. Uh, but I just haven't seen really Miami with Adam Gase and, and those guys really address the offensive line and make it a priority. And so I, I'd like to see that change, um, frankly. Uh, you know, I'm a big offensive line guy, and especially with Tua uh, being your guy going forward, um, I'd really like to see us have a, a top 15 offensive line or something else so that he can have a clean pocket and do what he does best, which is be an accurate passer inside of the pocket. Uh, now, moving on, I guess the next move along the lines of Tua Tagovailoa is the, uh, the backup Jacoby Brissett, who we brought in uh, from the Colts. Um, a guy who I think has a lot of talent. I think he's a very solid backup. Bring him in again on a one-year deal that ensures flexibility going forward. Um, but obviously a guy that neither of us hope takes any snaps for any reason next year. Um, I think that if he's asked to come in and be a backup, that he could definitely be solid and win us some games. 
Um, however, my hope is that Tua Tagovailoa shines and he never has to play and Tua stays healthy. So uh, if you want to give your, your take on that one-year deal we gave Jacoby Brissett. Yeah. First, we need to take a moment of silence for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Because <laughs> of course. He was a shining light in some very dark years. So yes. thank you, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Best of luck with whatever the WTFs or w, whatever we're calling Washington now, you know, best of luck to you, you know. I think there's any, I think every team that he's played on is rooting for him to win a Super Bowl and make a Pro Bowl at some point. Absolutely. And I, I love that guy. Washington anymore, but good luck for that team. Just because Ryan Fitzpatrick's on there, I'm going to watch him because I think he was a, I think he's the ultimate pro. So now let's talk about the guy we brought in to replace him. I think a very, very similar type mentality. I mean, this is a guy who knows he's a backup. Uh, he was a great mentor for Andrew Luck for a couple of years. Uh, he's come in and played and played pretty well at times. And, and I'm a huge Tua fan. So I know we're going to probably get into roster things. And Tua is kind of the hot button issue with the Dolphins and everything. I'm a big Tua fan. I'm also really worried that he's never going to make it all the way through every season. He didn't make it through this season. He had to sit a game from Fitzpatrick due to a thumb injury. And he only played eight games. You know, and you just talked about the offensive line might be an issue. So Brissett is a, is a, is a big, big move for Miami. I mean, this guy might play – Hopefully, not at all, maybe three, four games, but he's a guy that is capable of coming in. Your season's not over. You know, if Tua gets hurt, your season is not over if this guy's got to come in. And with adding a 17th game, you know, now you're, those, that depth is going to be very important. Yeah, and again, another one-year contract. Um, again, as you talk about flexibility, setting us up, uh, going into the next free agency, if he comes in and he doesn't play well or – if he's not needed or if Tua doesn't pan out and we need to move on from him, he's a guy you can move on from very quickly and you have that cap, cap flexibility moving forward. Uh, so the next move, uh, Adam Butler, the defensive tackle from New England. Uh, a lot of movement between New England and Miami, particularly New England signing former Miami guys uh, in the spree agency. But I view this as a great deal uh, for a guy who really can contribute big minutes. Um, he's got a two-year contract up to seven and a half million. He can get up to nine million with bonuses, uh, which I hope he earns because I hope he plays well enough to get those bonuses. Uh, Godshaw, the uh, the defensive tackle that we drafted, went to New England on a much bigger deal. He pays up to sixteen million. He has nine million guaranteed. Uh, and frankly, I think they're pretty similar players. Um, he had four sacks last year. I think Devon Godshaw has like three to five in his entire career. Um, he's better rushing the passer. He's not really a run stuffer, but I think that complements Bernardrick McKinney very well if you bring in a defensive tackle who can rush the passer. Uh, I'm not going to say he's a, a Pro Bowl talent or anything, but we've seen what's happened with the Rams um, having a defensive tackle that can come right up the middle and rush the passer uh, and wreak havoc and, and create opportunities for those other guys on the edge. Yeah, I, I, to me, it's kind of a eh, signing. I mean, he may pay off. I think, again, this is not so much a move on the guy we're bringing in. This is a move on Miami saying, we think Christian Wilkins is our guy. And I thought he showed huge flashes. So same thing when we lost Van Noy. You know, we're saying we're going Van Ginkle. And we say, all right, we're going to lose Gotchow. Well, we got Christian Wilkins. You know, we got these guys that, that are kind of our dudes. Now let's just put some solid pros around them. And if they pan out, awesome. They're young. They're inexpensive. If they don't, 
we're going to draft somebody or we're going to bring somebody in to compete. I do think Godshaw is a little better than this player, just personally, uh, but I don't think it's worth however much probably safe. Yeah, yeah, and a longer-term deal for Godshaw as well. So New England is, is more locked in than Miami again. You see flexibility coming into play here with the cap. Uh, now, the next move is Malcolm Brown, the running back from the Rams. Again, quantity over quality, a one-year deal, uh, one and three-quarter million dollars. Uh, very, very cheap uh, flexibility. I can't say that I see him playing many plays or getting many carries, but after the injuries you saw to a running back court last year, I think it's great to add some depth. And uh, at, at the worst case, if he doesn't pan out at all, you move on in one year, and it's, it's not much cap space that we've committed to him. Yeah, I, I'm actually a big fan of Gaskin. I think Gaskin is a very underrated running back. And sure. I'm not talking draft yet. We're probably going to get there at some point. We got to draft a running back relatively high. And I hate yeah. to say that because I hate the value there. But uh, this guy is going to be our third running back. If he's anything more than that, we did a drafting, in my opinion. But he's yeah. a good third running back to have. He'll be solid. Give sure. him time. But I'm still big. I think Gaskin's your number two. And we're yeah. going to be our number one. Yeah, I, I definitely, I would agree. I think you need to draft a bell cow at some point uh, in the first two rounds. Um, again, you saw Ahmed come in and, and play very well as, you know, an undrafted free agent. I think running backs at this point in the NFL are looked at, unfortunately, as a little bit disposable. I think unless you have a top five guy, um, it's really not worth committing a ton of money to. So I like to see some, some added depth there. But like you mentioned, I would definitely like to see us get one of the top five guys in the draft, uh, which definitely should be attainable for Miami with two second round picks and two first round picks. Uh, I don't think we need to draft a running back in the first round. Um, I know a lot of guys are, are high on Nahe uh, from Alabama, uh, Nahe Harris, but um, you know I, I don't think you devote a first round to a running back, but I definitely think you need a bell cow going forward and running backs on rookie deals are becoming the theme in the NFL, unless you have a guy like Derrick Henry or Ezekiel Elliott or, um, gosh, I'm blanking on the name, the guy in, in for for New York. Um, Saquon Barkley. Yeah, yeah. I, I think unless you have a guy like that, uh, running back's just not a priority in, in today's NFL. So getting beyond that, the uh, the guys that we re-signed, uh, low-profile guys, but guys that definitely contributed very, uh, very big minutes for Miami last year, we re-signed Nick Needham. Uh, Vince Beagle, Landon Roberts, uh, Jason Sanders got a great deal for a kicker uh, who was a <laughs> Pro Bowl quality kicker last year. So I'm glad to see him come back. And then Matt Collins, uh, we need all the wide receiver depth that we can get. So um, <clears throat> I think any of those guys could be contributors. Is there any of them that stands out to you as potentially a guy that could maybe make a leap uh, yeah, from please. just a, a low tier contributor to maybe uh, a very solid starter? Yeah, I would think Beagle has the best chance. He was hurt. He wasn't hurt. I think he was kind of one of those guys on the on the defensive line that was, was playing well. And and then I actually was not a big fan of re-signing Hollins. I, I, he made the great catch against Oakland. I think more of a special teams move than really sure. a receiver move. Uh, I am a big fan of the uh, Will Fuller move. Bringing, and I think that's a big move. Yeah. Uh, we may get to that later on. But Hollins I thought was – you know, maybe they like him on special teams is all I could think of. But Sanders is a great move. You know, other than uh, if you don't have the Ravens kicker, uh, then he's probably the best kicker in the NFL. You know, yeah. and in my, my opinion, you know, he, he you think about Oakland. I mean, he won us some games. 
And so I'm a big fan of our kicker. I, it was shocking that we left our we let go of our punter and brought somebody else in. That kind of surprised me a little bit because mm-hmm. kind of hack. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, again, that's uh, <laughs> similar to Jacoby Brissett. I think that's a, a guy that you hope <laughs> doesn't become a key part of your offense. Obviously, going down, but can be very, very pivotal if you want to control, you know, the uh, the field position game. Uh, for me, I think Landon Roberts could be a, a very key player uh, moving forward. He, he was hurt, missed some time, but I think he was effective when he was in there. Um, <clears throat> and then moving on to uh, the biggest splash that we made in free agency, signing Will Fuller, one-year deal. Um, again, flexibility. Uh, he got the biggest contract out of any of the guys that we signed. Um, but for a guy that's coming back from a suspension, um, he had a PED-related suspension for – he said it was a prescription drug that the NFL didn't allow that uh, caused him to miss some time. I think he's going to miss week one with that suspension. Um, and he's had some injury issues, but he was on pace to produce, I think, close to 1,400 yards for a, a 16-game season last year. Um, so Miami needs a number one wide receiver, and I think it's a smart move to bring in – an established free agent in addition to a high-end wide receiver in the draft. And then you can kind of defer between the two of those in addition to Devontae Parker. I think if you have Will Fuller, Devontae Parker, and then you draft a receiver high on the board in this year's draft, um, you kind of have three guys that could be number one on any given day. Yeah, no, I'm a huge fan of the Will Fuller move. I think, unfortunately, I'm not concerned about the PEDs. I think that was a one-time deal. I think he made a mistake and Whatever it was, he won't do it again because he likes to get paid. But more concerned about the injury issue. It seems like in Miami's wide receiver room, they just make him out of China. You know, even Devontae Parker, great receiver. You never know he's going to be able to play. You know, Albert Wilson, he's coming back. Is he going to be healthy? Even when he was here, is he going to be able to play? Jakeem Grant's like five foot three. He's a tough dude. I love him. But you never know if he's going to pull a hamstring. He runs like a 4-2. I mean, these are – you have – it's like we have a room full of guys. You don't know who's going to be available. And uh, I'm an old coach. I always – the greatest ability is availability. Oh, yeah. So he, that scares me on Will Fuller. I'll also point something out. I know we're doing draft later on. I think that takes a guy like Jalen Waddle off the board. I think they see Will Fuller in that role. You need that chaser, speed guy, you know, so – you're looking at well, who's Miami looking at receiver-wise. I think you can take Jalen Waddle and say we kind of already got him. If Will Fuller pans out, we got that guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I would disagree with you there. I, I, I'm an Auburn fan. I saw Jalen Waddle torch us in the 2019 Iron Bowl. I think he's a freak athlete. I think he could very well be the best wide receiver in this draft, to be honest. I know that that's not the consensus, but I, I'm a big fan of Jalen Waddle. But I agree with you that depth is definitely a key there. So if you have three number one guys, you're not as stressed about one guy going down for a few weeks. Um, most of the injuries that we've had along the wide receiver core have been somewhere in that six-week range. Uh, so you certainly hope that we can keep those guys on the field, especially with Tua. You want to give him all the weaponry that you can. Um, so I think Will Fuller is a good way to address that, and you just hope for the best. But if it doesn't pan out, again, it's a one-year deal more flexibility for Miami. So obviously that's the big theme here. Um, I, I think that we've devoted some time to uh, talk about Tua Tagovailoa uh, at the end of the show, but is there anything else that you kind of want to talk about before we get to that? Well, I think you got to look at the roster in general and you brought it up. I mean, we, we have one player over the age of 30, you know, and so the excitement for me last year wasn't that we won 10 games. That was awesome. 
it was that I felt like we were a year earlier than we were going to be. Like I thought we were a five or six win team last year, building a little bit. I think that speaks super highly of Flores. I think that's a very underrated aspect. You've lived through the Philbin era. You've lived through the Gase era. So you've not lived through what I would consider to be a good coach. Yeah. And, And when you have a good coach, all of a sudden you get a chance to be successful. And I really believe Flores is that guy. My concerns about Flores are we've gone through offensive coordinators, you know, pretty, pretty quickly. It seems yeah. like you got to find something and stick with it. What I like about him is he's not afraid to admit a mistake. You know, yeah. in Van Noy on a big contract, he, we didn't really think it was worth it. You're gone. We brought in an OC from New England first year. I didn't like how things worked out. He's gone. You know, so I like that he's decisive, but at some point we need to get some continuity, I think, in our coaching staff to go to the next level. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And I think the, the coach is obviously the number one piece and he's decisive and in some ways he's even ruthless. And I think that's kind of what you need. You need a lot of turnover for a, an NFL team if you want to stay on top. Now, the one thing that I did want to cover before we move on to Tua Tagovailoa, which is obviously the biggest key for Miami moving forward, is the Xavier Howard contract situation. There have been some rumors that he's not happy about his contract. Uh, I'm just going to give kind of my take on it. And then if you want to give your take on it, um, look, with Xavier Howard, obviously he had an unbelievable season last year. Uh, Ten interceptions has not been done in a very long time. Uh, I I blank on the exact year that's been done, but it's more than a decade since the guys had ten picks. Uh, That being said, you know, we gave him a contract two years ago. We made him the highest paid cornerback in the NFL at the time. Uh, The guy had only played one full season. He was coming off of two injury seasons where he didn't finish the season. Uh, He had shown flashes. He had shown that he's obviously very talented. He's probably, I would have him as a number one cornerback in the NFL. I think that's fair to say. Uh, That being said, I I don't think it's unfair to maybe give him a little bit of a raise. That said, he's still a top five paid cornerback in the NFL. Uh, And in line with that, he's still not the top paid cornerback on his own team. And so I think there's probably some feelings there with the Byron Jones contract, but he also should probably realize that the reason you pay big money for a guy like Byron Jones is that it gets Xavier Howard more targets. It allows him to roam the field freely and get some more of those picks uh, that cash in for a big payday. So that's my take on it. Do you have any anything to say in addition to that? Yeah, pay the man. I mean, you in Miami, you have one all pro. That's it. And, and as Xavier Howard, I think he's like you mentioned. I don't think it's a question. He is the best corner in the NFL and you pay him. Uh, like you mentioned, I'm not happy if I'm going to that locker room watching Byron Jones get roasted and getting paid more money than me. You know, and so pay at least pay him more than him. And I, and I like Byron Jones. I do think Byron Jones probably a, a, he's definitely a top-level NFL cornerback. He's not Xavier Howard. You know, and, and you have a guy – I'm old enough for me, the, you know, Sam Madison, Patrick oh, yeah defenses you look at New England where Flores comes from you got the Gilmore you always got those corners that can play man and lock stuff down if you want him to be successful you better have two dudes that can play corner and some versatile safeties so to me I would be willing to pour money into the defensive backfield that's where you and I are a little different I'm going to be cheap up front on the offensive line but I'm going to spend tremendously on the back end of the defense yeah well, and to that end, if if he's not happy and he wants out, I think that you see what kind of trade value is out there for him. I don't think anything less than a first-round pick is acceptable. 
Um, and I think that you have Noah Ipinogany behind him that you're hoping can flourish. Um, he got exposed a little bit last year, uh, but Xavier Howard looked terrible his rookie year. And so some guys, some guys take time to flourish, uh, but you have some depth there. Um, I'm certainly hoping that he's on the roster in 2021. I'm definitely not saying ship him off. Uh, I'm definitely not against giving him a raise. I'm not against making him the highest paid corner on the team. Uh, that said, I don't think that you go give him a blockbuster contract extension or anything like that. Look, we took a risk when we signed you to this deal uh, and it paid off for us and you, you know, could get injured next year and it might not pan out. And I understand that there's risk on both ends, but you know, I'm just hoping he stays on the roster and we can keep him happy. Yeah, you know? well, and you saw, you mentioned it. I don't mean to cut you off there, but you mentioned uh, if you can get, and I wouldn't say first-round pick. I mean, you're talking, you saw what we got for Laramie Tunzel. I mean, imagine what you could get for Xavier Howard. Now, I'm not suggesting to trade him. He's a, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of trading guys that are potentially NFL All-Pro guys for 10 years for draft picks, which are just basically gambling chips. But if you're going to look at making a move, you saw what we've done with the Laramie Tunzel, and you got to tip your hat to Greer. I thought that was phenomenal, some of the things that he's turned those picks into. But I'll say this, an all-pro corner is way more valuable, in my opinion, than an all-pro tackle. And I, and I know we think differently a little bit on that, but I see – the value of Xavier Howard a lot higher than Laramie Tunzel. Yeah, well, and you saw the trade for Vontae Davis where we gave away a potential all-pro corner for a second-round pick that ended up being Jonathan Martin. <laughs> um, right. So, you know, you never know if those are going to pan out. Um, that said, I, I think he's a great, great corner, and I hope he stays around for a long time. Um, but we'll see. I, I think the, um, the Jalen Ramsey trade is a, a fair proxy for what kind of value you might be able to get out of him. Uh, now, moving on, obviously, the big cornerstone of what Miami's success is going to be in 2021 is Tua Tagovailoa. Do you want to go first, or should I go first with my take on him? Because I'm a big believer. Uh, I, I definitely have some negatives to put out there, but I'm a big believer. Do you want to go first? I'll go first on this one, let you let you kind of wrap us up here. Uh, here's my feel on Tua Tagovailoa. First of all, you know how excited I was. My son has his jersey. I've I'm a Tua fan. I, I'm, I'm a big believer. I, I think he's charismatic. I think he can lead your team. I think he's got the ability to be potentially like a Drew Brees type guy. What he cannot do is carry a team by himself, which we saw very vividly this year. He can't go out there. He's not going to be a guy that can run power read and run the ball and has the legs to do that kind of stuff. He has a good arm, but he's not a guy. He doesn't have a Josh Allen arm. You know, he's not going to just wow you with, I think he's super accurate, uh, but he's got to have separation. I think the other thing you saw that he struggled with a little bit is uh, knowing how to read the defense. And that was the most concerning thing to me. I thought when he threw the ball, when he felt comfortable, he looked great. But there were times you could tell he didn't know where to go with the ball, uh, which could be the fact that our receivers gained about one inch of separation. It could be that we blocked like, you know, a screen door on a submarine. It could be any of those things. That being said, that scared me. So you know we've had these conversations when before Deshaun Watson, all the issues he's in, I would have done anything I could to get that guy. And that was not a knock to Tua, not at all. I think Tua has a potential to be a, a, you know, a Pro Bowl quarterback. You had a for sure thing in Deshaun Watson. You know, if he was available and didn't have all the issues he's got, 
I'd have done that in a heartbeat without looking back. That's not an option now. So now I'm in on Tua. I think you set yourself around him. I think Miami has done a great job of setting themselves up. If Tua's the dude, you get him a bunch of guys. If Tua's not the guy, you still have so much draft capital down the road. If you don't think Miami's thinking if Deshaun Watson gets out of this issue, maybe next year that conversation looks a little different, then you're fooling yourself because if you're always thinking two or three steps ahead. I think Tua will pan out. I think he'll have a great year. I still think he's the best quarterback of that draft class. Um, so I'm a big fan of him. I think he's better than Joe Burrow. I think he's better uh, than Herbert. I think he's the best guy in that draft class. So I'm, I'm hopeful he stays healthy and we give him guys that can make him look good. Yeah, and I would agree almost 100% with your synopsis. I would stop shy of saying that he's better than Joe Burrow. Uh, you know, Justin Herbert was undeniably better than him last year. However, he didn't win as many games. But I think statistically, uh, Justin Herbert had one of the best rookie seasons a quarterback's had in a very long time. Now, <laughs> yes, that's true. We did beat that. win. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I, I mean, I would agree with the Deshaun Watson case. Um, I mean, obviously, you have Tua could be a star. Deshaun Watson is a star. He's in his prime. Uh, I would have made that move if there weren't the situation going on right now that's currently going on with Deshaun Watson. I'm glad we waited that one out. That said, let's back things up. Tua Tagovailoa uh, had a potentially career-ending injury to end his career at Alabama. He comes into the Dolphins in a COVID-shortened year without a full minicamp. He's thrust into the lineup before I think any of us thought he would start, and I think probably before he thought he would start. He comes in, he's very efficient, he manages the game very well, gets a lot of wins, limits his interceptions, limits his turnovers. He had some games where he definitely flashed. Uh, you talk about the Chiefs game, um, and you talk about uh, the game against the Cardinals, where he was, he was the best player on the field, I think, that day. Um, that said, I would agree 100% that you have to build around him. He is a, a Drew Brees type. You have to give him a clean pocket. You have to give him guys that can get separation. You have to give him a, a dynamic running back. Um, and you have to give him an offensive coordinator that can call a game that's very unexpected, that can throw it, put the defense on their heels. That said, I think a lot of people looked at Ryan Fitzpatrick's performance last year and said, well, Ryan Fitzpatrick outperformed Tua. And I mean, I guess in some games, it's definitely true. Um, but the thing that you're overlooking is that Ryan Fitzpatrick was on the Dolphins for two years. Shane Gailey had two years to design an offense kind of around Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I know that there's some turnover there on the offensive staff and, and all of that. But um, when Ryan Fitzpatrick came in, he was a gunslinger with nothing to lose. He could open the field up, throw it down the field. Um, that being said, Tua definitely made a lot of plays last year where I said Ryan Fitzpatrick would not be able to make that throw. He would not be able to stand in that pocket. He would not be able to thread that needle. I think Tua Tagovailoa is an extremely accurate quarterback. I think he's a very smart quarterback. I think he's a hard worker, and I definitely think he's poised to make the next step. Uh, like you said, though, I think you have to give him a clean pocket to start with. Um, I, I've just seen the Dolphins' offensive line struggle for too long right now. Um, and we do have some young guys along that offensive line that I think can improve. Um, I think that, like you said, his all of his weapons went down, down the stretch. I mean, he was he was throwing to six string guys uh, in Week 17. And you saw in that ugly performance against Buffalo, 
I think where a lot of people, this narrative came out that Tua was a bust or that Tua is going to be terrible or that Tua is just throw it out on him and draft a quarterback at number three. Um, when we went into Buffalo, that was a playoff caliber team. That was a team that went to the AFC championship game. We were on the road. We were in Buffalo in January. Um, and, and his offensive line was struggling. His wide receivers couldn't get separation. The running game couldn't get going. And I think the offense coordinator, frankly, did not call a game that suited to his strengths. Um, and I know it's easy to throw the offensive coordinator under the bus. There's a lot of things that could be the issue. And Tua could absolutely be the issue. But like you talked about, we've put ourselves in a position to potentially move on from him uh, in the immediate term if we need to. If he doesn't pin out next year, we can move on. Uh, hopefully next year he's at least solid enough for us to give him another year. But we've put ourselves in a position to move on if we need to. Um, and I think that he definitely showed enough flashes to be encouraged uh, moving forward. And I'm looking for him to next make the uh, make the big leap next year. And I think as you talked about him being the best quarterback in that draft class, I don't know how that's going to pan out, but I think he could be the best quarterback of that draft class next year. Um, and I think that the Dolphins could be in a position to potentially make a playoff, uh, get a playoff berth at least, and hopefully make a playoff run. Yeah, yeah. I want to mention a couple other things too because I know we're kind of wrapping up here on Tua. As a coach, here's what was concerning to me: Chan Gailey's not a dumb guy. You know, we may disagree what he called on the whatever it is. If you're an NFL coordinator and you've been that way for a long time, you know what you're doing. And it was very obvious he was calling a different game when Tua was in the game. So there's one or two reasons that's the case. Chan Gailey's not trying to submarine a guy like he's yeah. not a sub because he's going to get fired, which is what happened. He here. definitely went more conservative. Right. So you, the question for me as a coach is when I call plays for my guy, I'm trying to help my quarterback. So does that mean he didn't think Tua could process more or what was the case? I would be really interested to hear Chan Gailey explain that because it was clear when Ryan Fitzpatrick went in, we're playing wide open offense. And to your point on Ryan Fitzpatrick, yeah, he did outplay Tua. He's also twice his age and been in the NFL for 17 years. That's not unexpected. It should have been in the NFL for 65 years. Right. I mean, he's probably got children the same age as Tua. You know, he's he should outplay Tua. That should have happened. We clearly were not playing to make the playoffs because we were playing Tua, and the better quarterback was Fitzpatrick. Was it worth it? Absolutely. Going to the wild card with Fitzpatrick getting beat or going 10 and 6 with Tua and letting him go through what he went through, that was worth it. So I'm, I'm hopeful he makes the jump. And you don't think Miami's betting on their future. I know we may get to this, we get to the draft in the next episode, but Miami decided to keep San Francisco's pick in 2022 and trade away their pick in 2022. So they're betting that they're better than the 49ers, who you know. 49ers think they're going to be pretty good yeah well, which again uh, that's a nice little teaser for the next episode but I I absolutely love that move I wish more teams would honestly just do a one-for-one -one swap and just bet on their future for next year but I, I loved seeing the confidence you know, we don't know what was discussed in that trade if if the Eagles said we want your pick or we want San Francisco's pick but I love seeing it as a Dolphins fan seeing you say I think our pick is going to be later in the draft than San Francisco, who's going to be a pretty good team next year. Uh, they had some devastating injuries this year. They're definitely not as bad as their record showed this year. So I, I like to see the confidence moving forward. But um, I think with that, we'll kind of wrap things up. Uh, I don't know how long we've gone on here, but uh, I just want to thank everybody who has joined us here. Um, let us know if you agree, disagree. We love to talk football. 
like I said, I'm a casual fan. I like to watch the games, but I'm definitely not an X's and O's guys that knows everything inside and out. So we'd love to talk with you. Um, if you want to drop something in the comments or if you want to reach out to us directly, uh, we, we love to talk football. So Kenny, do you have anything you want to say? No, man, I'm, I'm excited, man. Lace is out. You know, I, I thought that was a great name for the podcast and, you know, us being big Dolphin fans, but y'all get, like you said, reach out, ask questions, you know, we're on here often, but we want to do it every week, I think. And, and hopefully we'll have enough material. I think we got plenty to start us off, but if you've got questions, things you want to see, at least my mom will watch this. So we got at least one person going to watch. <laughs> Maybe we'll get a couple more. <laughs> well, yeah, as a, a field goal holder in uh, high school as a Dolphins fan, uh, I'm very, very happy with the name Laces Out. But I think that pretty much sums us up. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this, but uh, we're excited for the season. It's an exciting time of year to be a Dolphins fan. Definitely the first time I've been excited in a long time. So I'm really looking forward to doing this with all of you each week. Um, and again, thank you for, uh, for listening or watching and we'll see you next week. All right.